I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Here we are. Another week goes by, and yet another major news item comes related to the church scandals. Uh, I was at a soccer match uh, here in Denver, Colorado, when I first found out this this very distressing news about a former uh, nuncio here to the United States accusing uh, our own Holy Father, Pope Francis, of knowing about uh, a lot of the abuse surrounding uh, Cardinal McCarrick. And uh, I was, I normally wouldn't be checking the news while I'm watching an MLS professional soccer game cheering on my team, the Colorado Rapids, but it was a pathetic game. Uh, in the first, like, 10 minutes, there was one red card, and then a few minutes later, in the first half, there was another red card against our team. I don't know if you know about soccer, but a red card is when you have a serious penalty, and the person is ejected from the game, and you can't replace them. So normally you play with 11 men, and in the first half, the end of the first half, we were down to nine men. So so there's no chance we're going to win this game. And the game's incredibly boring. The other team keeps scoring one goal after another after another. I was like watching one of my little kids' teams get utterly defeated. And so I start to unplug a little bit from watching the game. And and then I, I, I got a, a text message from one of my friends who says, Ted, you got to read this right away. And that's when I first heard the news. Uh, and it was just a whole other level of just complete shock and dismay and um frustration and uh, praying that this isn't true and uh, begging for God's mercy upon the church. Uh, but, you know, in terms of like, how do, how do we respond now with this, with this level of accusation going all the way up to, to the top in the church's hierarchy here of at least some involvement, you know, I think we have to realize, of course, there are serious problems right now. But in terms of these accusations, on one hand, we don't know the truth. We don't know the full truth yet, and so we're going to be patient, we're going to wait. But on the other extreme, or the other side, not extreme, but I would say uh, on the other side, we don't want to just put our heads down and pretend like nothing's going on. I, I really appreciated what uh, Cardinal DiNardo came out with this week here, the head of the U.S. Bishops' Conference. He said that you know this demands a prompt and thorough examination of all these claims that are being made here. You know this is not coming from just some sideline journalist or just some uh, disgruntled priest or religious sister. No, this is coming from an archbishop, a former nuncio to the United States, someone who knew the situation very closely, worked very closely under two different popes uh, and, and this matter. So there, there is there, there is uh, all the reason to believe that at least there's something worth looking into. The question is, what will we find? And, and I think, you know, whether whether there there's nothing here or there is something there, we shouldn't be afraid of the truth. We need to look into the claims. And I think we want to avoid the extreme of uh, what some people are doing is automatically, I've heard this, they're angry and they're bitter and they're frustrated Pope Francis and they're assuming he's guilty. Uh, and we as Catholics, we just can't do that. We can't make that rash judgment at this stage yet. Uh, at the same time, uh, we don't want to write off the accusations like the New York Times is doing and they're just completely writing off uh, Archbishop Vigano's uh, accusations calling him a homophobic, ultra-conservative. And, uh, you know, again, this is a, a, a man that had very close contact with what was happening here in the United States, very respected by many leaders in the United States. And so the claims are at least worth looking into. Whatever happens here, I don't think we should be afraid of the truth. Uh, listen to what Cardinal DiNardo had said here, again, head of the U.S. Bishops' Conference. He said, the questions raised... Uh, by by um, Archbishop Vigano's letter. The questions raised deserve answers that are conclusive and based on evidence. Without those answers, 
innocent men may be tainted by false accusation, and the guilty may be left to repeat sins of the past. I think that that's a beautiful way of looking at this. So we want to look into this. We want to have a thorough, prompt examination, as he says. Why? Because if we don't have answers to these questions, then there's innocent men that have been accused, not only the Pope, but many other people that were accused in this, and they're going to be tainted by a false accusation. They need to, we, we, if we if they are honestly innocent, then, then we want that truth to come to light to protect their character and their reputation. At the same time, if there's any guilt uh, that, that's there, then we, we want that guilt to come out so that the church and, and even those individuals don't repeat the sins of the past. So wise advice from uh, Cardinal DiNardo uh, from the U.S. Bishops Conference here. And I want to go back to something I said last week. Uh, last week I shared in the podcast that my faith is not in any particular leader of the church. I'm personally shaken by all this going on going on in the church from the report from Pennsylvania to Cardinal McCarrick and, and now this this uh, the latest accusations being made here. But but my faith is not shaken. And, and I want to go a little more personal on this. You know, uh, it, I am a huge fan of St. John Paul II. Uh, he is such an inspiration to my life. Uh, his theology, his philosophy uh, it, it has, has shaped me in so many ways. And yet, if something came out that Pope John Paul II made some mistakes in this regard, but my faith in Jesus and in the, in the church isn't shaken by that. Uh, human beings make make mistakes. Uh, Pope Benedict was mentioned in this letter from from Archbishop Vigano, uh, and and let's say if like he he com- comes out and truth comes out that he made mistakes in this regard. Again, I love Pope Benedict. I, he's one of my favorite theologians of the twentieth century and into the twenty first. And yet, uh, if I find out that something bad happened with him, he made some mistakes, my faith isn't going to be shaken. I'll be sad, I'll be disappointed, I'll be personally shaken, but my faith in Jesus. And, and Pope Francis, there's so many things I admire about Pope Francis, so many things I've learned from him, uh, and yet if something happens and it comes out that he's at fault in some way here, uh, my faith in Jesus and the Catholic Church is not shaken. Now, I know that's where I'm coming from, but I got to tell you, I, I over the last week and a half, as I've been traveling in different parts of the United States and uh, corresponding with people, I, I'm, I'm meeting people whose faith is actually shaken, not just personally, but they're wondering, you know, should I be, there was a woman I know of who was thinking of becoming Catholic because her husband or the man she's about to marry is becoming Catholic, but now she's saying, I'm pulling the plug, forget this Catholic church thing, I can't join a church like this. Uh, I, I've heard from others who are thinking of leaving the church uh, over these matters, and and I, I empathize with them because it is it is a difficult time. I, I empathize with where where they're coming from. When you're looking at this from a human perspective, it, it looks like a complete mess. But I, I, the, what I would say to to these people, and what I have said to some some people who I know are very frustrated along these lines, is you're not going to find another church or another organization that has been spared from this effect of the sexual revolution, from abuse cases. These kinds of things have happened in many Protestant churches. They've happened in many uh, many public schools and uh, other youth organizations, Boy Scouts, other things. These things happen, and they're happening everywhere. And it's tragic when it happens anywhere, but it's especially tra- tragic when it happens in Christ's church. And so the church is held to a higher standard, and so, absolutely, this is the, 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 this is a great scandal. But yet, if you think, well, I'll leave the Catholic Church and I'll go join this other church, good luck finding a church that has not been tainted by this kind of a scandal, because uh, it's out there in, in our culture. But more than that, 
I would go more personal. If we love Jesus and we want to follow Jesus, Jesus is looking for people who are going to follow him, not just in his glory, when he's giving the great Sermon on the Mount and thousands of people are cheering him on and saying, this man is amazing. He's not just looking for people who are there when when he raises Lazarus from the dead and he heals the blind man and they're cheering, oh, this man is the great one. He's the prophesied one. He's looking for people who are going to follow him all the way to the cross. That's what he invited disciples to do. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Where Jesus is going is on to Calvary. And if you look at the body of Christ on Good Friday, it is it, it is beat up. It is scourged. It, is, it, is, it is, doesn't look really pretty. It's a big mess. And today, the body of Christ doesn't look very pretty right now. Uh, and yet, Jesus is asking, will you still be faithful to me? And, and will we be faithful to Jesus? Because from human perspective, it looked like, how could that be the Messiah? This man who is scourged, who's, who's been uh, mocked, ridiculed, nailed to a cross, and is dying this torturous death. How could that really be the Messiah, the Holy Son of God? And yet Jesus is calling us to follow him right there. And his body of Christ right now, the mystical body, the church, is going through that kind of a suffering right now. And Jesus wants us to be faithful to him. Remember, our faith is in him. He's the one that works through the visible structures of the church uh, to bring us his, the fullness of his truth, the fullness of his grace, because he promised a way that we can be with him forever in heaven by following his church. Uh, and so... I'm going to stick with Jesus. I'm going to stick with uh, his church because my faith is not in any individual leader. It's in him who promised to be with his church. Now, that being said, I want to transition a little bit here because I had a, uh, a great conversation uh, earlier today uh, with someone I admire and love very much. And that is my wife, Beth, who is actually here with us uh, uh, today. And she, as we were going for our evening walk, she was talking, uh, we were talking all about uh, what's been happening in the church. We can't stop talking about it all over the weekend. And uh, and she just really inspired me. She says, you know, now is a time for heroes. Now is a time for heroes. And she says, you know, that you're, you're, you're sharing with me, you know, you're hearing from a lot of people, oh, now we need to be saints and we got, that's how we respond. We got to be holy and that's all true. But you said, you know, we need to use the word hero here. Uh, well, I know you mean something good here because we, we are called to be saints. But what do you mean by this distinction between hero and saints? Well, hi, everybody. I know it's been a long time since I've been on the podcast. It's great to be back with you. Great to be the feminine voice of all things Catholic here. <laughs> um, so saints versus heroes. Obviously, saints are heroes. Heroes can and should be saints. But if you're anything like me, oftentimes you think of the saints. Okay, like today is the Feast of St. Monica. Okay, St. Monica lived a really long time ago. Totally different kind of world. Um, did she suffer? Did she do things heroically? Absolutely. But I, I, I can't picture St. Monica transported to today's terms, today's world, today's problems, and know exactly what she would do. Sometimes the saints just seem slightly out of reach you know like they levitated and they were in two places at once and they made bread multiply and just did all these amazing things or they just really led these lives of crazy virtue and and how am I gonna get there you know 
like I can barely be at the one place I'm supposed to be. I know, at the right? right time Let's versus talk about being that. two places Let's talk about at the same time. Our family schedule that's off the whole other podcast. Multiplying loaves would be awesome mm-hmm. in the three household. <laughs> yeah, amen. Um, so yeah, so I think we can relate more to heroes. We kind of live in the Marvel universe now and with the movies and capes and doing all sorts of fun things like that. But we all know a hero, someone who's come and done something amazing for us or something we've heard about someone doing that was just amazing or incredible or generous or just really took a lot of strength, strength of character, strength of will, strength of body. Now is the time that that we need to step it up. Now is the time where we need to think, what can I do to really up my game in terms of doing the hard stuff? Yeah, you know, I think in our church today right now, what we need, we need, we certainly need saints. But I, I like this idea of, you know, just saying something, you know, right now we need some heroes. You know, we need the that Athanasius, like St. Athanasius, for those of you that know, in the early church, was one of the few bishops standing up against this Arian heresy when like 98% of the bishops have all gone astray on a very important understanding of who Jesus is as fully human and fully God, that he's the divine son of God. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, as, as uh, the Nicene Creed says, and Athanasius is one of the few to, to stand up heroically uh, so yes, Anthony Schiff was a saint, but but maybe it's helpful for us to remember that the saints were all heroes in their own ways. And today we have to pray for our leaders to have that heroic, courageous spirit to stand up for the truth right now. Uh, so let's let's as we're praying for them and we're fasting, let's remember that right now that we that the truth may be brought to light, whatever that is. But we have people that are heroic in pursuit of the truth. Now that's true for out there. But honey, tell me, you know, in terms of our own lives, what what can I do? I, I mean, I'm not going to go lead an investigative team into the scandals in the United States. I, I doubt most of us are going to have that particular calling here. Uh, but how how am I called to be a hero right now in my daily life? And how can that possibly make a difference in what we're facing in the church today? I think that's the crux of the matter. I've been paying attention to a lot of the really amazing things that people are doing to up their game. I mean, we hear like our priest at our parish was saying, what's the answer to all of this? It's holiness, holiness, holiness. Amen. Absolutely. Father Mike Schmitz in his recent YouTube video, what do we need to do? Don't leave, lead. Amen. Absolutely. 100%. Also the whole sackcloth and ashes movement, asking people to do penance from now until the end of September, do something, you know, whether it's give up social media one day a week or chocolate or adding something We need all these things. Absolutely. But I would also say we got to make it personal to what God is asking each of us. And I would argue very passionately that if we are in a relationship with Jesus, we're praying every day, we're seeking his will, we're wanting what he wants for us and really trying to conform to that, that there's probably something that he's asking of each of us. And maybe we've kind of done it. We've maybe we've kind of done it halfway. Maybe we've not, we've said, okay, sure. But maybe later, maybe we've not done it all. And we have a ton of fear, but now is the time. Now is the time where we, we each need to figure out what that thing is and we need to plant the flag and we need to go after it and, and really, Pray for the grace to do that hard thing. Because when it comes to the saints, when it comes to these heroic saints, they all look so different from each other. I'm always struck by that. 
there's no two paths that are identical. And so that's where in prayer, in time with Jesus and time with God, he's going to show us our own path to be heroic, to be saintly, to be generous. But we got to be paying attention and we just have to act. You have to act. He can't, he can't steer a parked car. He can't do anything unless we are able and willing to use our will to get it started. Yeah, that was this idea of like, right now the answer is to be holy. It's to... Right, it's to kind give, of vague. But like, what specifically does that mean? What's holiness look like? And surely praying more and fasting yes, and absolutely. You know, service, all that is like, those are some practical ways to put holiness, you know, into our lives. But real holiness is going to take place from within what is it that God is asking you to do? What's keeping you? What's holding you back? Yeah. And, and that might be, you know, you need to be a courageous witness and share your faith and stand up for truth in this world. Maybe there's someone in your life that you know that you need to share the truth with and you've just been afraid and haven't spoken up. And like that's part of our crisis right now, that people weren't speaking up when they knew they sensed something was wrong. And, and maybe we're allowing our fears to keep us from, you know, sharing about the moral life or sharing about Jesus with somebody because we're afraid. Uh, you know, that could be one thing. Uh, or maybe we're sensing, you know, that God wants me to make a moral change in my life. Maybe I'm doing something in my own life that deep down I know I shouldn't be doing, but I, I need to just plant the flag. I need to root that sin out of me right now and not let it grow and fester. Again, that's something that's happened in the wider church, that people let little sins go in their own lives that led to bigger and bigger sins. And now we're in a larger mess than, than, than was uh, maybe originally there. Uh, but another thing you share with me, honey, was about this idea of this darkness that's coming out in the church right now and how it might relate to our own lives. Can you share with the listeners about that? Well, just the fact that there's all these calls for transparency. We need the bishops to be transparent. We need to have transparency. We need more grand jury trials and and cases and everything. We need We need the truth. We need the light. Totally. But let's turn that to ourselves. What are we covering up? What... What is something that's deep in the dark that we maybe don't want to deal with, that we don't even want to look at, that we just want to forget, you know, happened or forget that was an issue that we just want to gloss over so we can keep our happy front? No, no, no. It's it's time to be heroes. It's time to look at those dark places and to go there with Jesus and have him lead the way and show us the way to uncover that with him and see how he wants to unpack it. Is that an easy thing? No. Is it pretty? No. Is it messy? Yes. Is it painful? Yes. But again, we, we got to be transparent with him because it's all going to come out eventually anyway, at some point in our lives. I mean, we could physically live out this darkness, you know, it could come out in our health. It could come out in our relationships. It could come out once we die and, you know, we're standing before Jesus and he's like, remember this whole deal? Remember how I wanted you to deal with it? Remember how you didn't? Yep. And the, so yeah. we're asking for transparency in the church. And that that's one big demand that many lay people are making. The media is calling for and even leaders in the church are calling for that. And that's a good thing. But I like the connection to our own lives. If we're going to be heroes, if we're going to be real saints practically, we need to allow the light of Jesus shining in our own hearts. And yes, let's go mm-hmm. say more prayers. Let's go do more rosaries. Let's go fast for media, give up chocolate. All those things are great. But the hardest sacrifices where real heroism takes place day to day in the life of a Christian isn't in the little sacrifices we plan. It's in allowing the light of Christ to shine on us 
and seeing, no, he's asking me to make this change, or he's asking me to forgive this person, or he's asking me to give up this attachment that I've had to this particular sin, and I don't want to give it up, or he's asking me to go into some dark corners of my soul and deal with some wounds from my past, and I and, and he wants to bring healing there, but I'm afraid to go there, or he wants me to repair this relationship in my marriage, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, those are the real. That that's where. That's where real heroism takes place in the spiritual life. Uh, yes, please keep praying those rosaries and, and mm-hmm. doing those Divine Mercy totally. chaplets and offer those little sacrifices. Those are great expressions of love, as I talked about last week in the podcast. But but I, I really appreciate what you were sharing with me in our walk tonight about just wanting to go deeper and take that heroism right there to where the Lord may be calling, shedding light on. Because that transparency that God wants for the church has to begin in each individual soul. Yes. But I don't think it stops in each individual soul either. Because what can we as the laity do? We've heard it's the age of the laity. I would say if you are in your vocation, especially if it's the married vocation, step up your marriage. Figure out where it's lacking, where you need a reboot, where you need some help, what you need to be doing, and and really... Spend some time with that. Give it some attention. Your vocation is your source of grace. You know, it's a sacrament if you're married. And right now, that's what's under attack right now, right? I mean, all these issues come down to a distortion of human sexuality. Uh, And sexuality is meant to be faithful, fruitful, total, a total self-gift. Uh, and right now that's been completely uh, jettisoned in our in our over, you know sexual revolutionized world and the greatest attack is right there in marriage so amen to that let the light shine in your soul let the light shine in your own marriage so that you can be a greater witness to the gospel uh, in our culture today well my friends thank you so much for for listening uh, again here and if you have any questions on this topic again feel free to contact me you can reach me on my website edwardstreet.com uh, you can contact my wife Beth, she's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And your website, you can tell everybody? BornToDoThis.org. BornToDoThis.org. So you can reach her there. You can also reach me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. God bless. God bless.